good morning. Was anyone else startled into that video? Like with the, oh, I missed my calling. Hey, good morning. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> now people are like, oh no, she's singing. Welcome. If you have any first timer, I'm sorry. Um, I apologize for that, that I just did. Uh, and those joining us online, we're really glad you are here. We are starting this series in Advent. Even though Advent actually started last week, we are we were finishing up our Exodus series, so we kind of blended them together, and now we are full on into the season of Advent. And we showed you that video last week, and I heard from many of you, they're like, thank you for showing that, because it really helped me understand and kind of get my my understanding and, and you know how I'm looking ahead into everything. So we thought we would share it with you one more time today, if you missed it last week, to just kind of introduce Advent to us. Um, we, it's also the first Sunday of the month, so we will be sharing communion together in a little while. And so I just encourage you, when we have these uh, Sundays of, of communion, um, to be thinking about that. I mean, we should anyway, but to be thinking about what we're seeing in Scripture and what is the, what is the message that, that God is speaking to us as we will, in a while, make our way to the table to receive. Because um, it's a beautiful sacrament, and it's something we get to participate in. And we don't want it to just be like routine and rote, you know. We don't want it to be like just going through the motions. Uh, if, if you haven't been here before, when we've shared communion, we, we say this is an open table, uh, that, that Christ invites to this table all who you know, earnestly repent of their sin and want to be in relationship with God. And so if that's your heart today, then you are more than welcome to participate in communion in a little while. So um, Advent, some of you might know what it means, some of you might not, why we showed the video. We have an Advent candle um, that is sometimes displayed in churches, and, and uh, there's four candles on the outer ring and one in the center. The center candle is called the Christ candle, which sometimes they wait to light on Christmas Eve, but, you know, it's the Christ candle, so we're going to light the Christ candle. But here's the thing about, you see there's two candles lit, but the other two, they're not out. They just, um, each candle represents one of the, the themes or the weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas. And because Advent actually started last week, the candle's up to date, but our messages is one, are one week behind. So today we're talking about the first theme of Advent, which is this theme of hope. Four themes in Advent, hope, peace, joy, and love. Those are the four themes. And so we're going to talk about hope today. And then tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, we're having a, a worship night. We're calling it an evening in the Psalms. And we're going to be looking at, at the Psalms, but we're also going to share the second week, the peace uh, of the message of Advent uh, tomorrow night as well. So we'll be caught up next week. So hope and peace are lit with the Christ candle in the middle. Um, so today is all about hope. Here's Here's what I was thinking about this. Um, you know, normally, especially we, with the Exodus series we just went through, we have like a text we're going to look at. Today, we're going to look at several different texts. So I just encourage you to write those down if you want to look at them later. Many of them will be on the screen. Um, but the whole theme of today is about hope. Now, I was thinking, if we hope for things, and we do, like all of us, we hope for things. They might be trivial or they might be big, but we all hope for things that I don't think there's a one of us in here that's not going. No, I never hoped for anything. No, we hope for things. It's it's kind of ingrained within us. It's it's who we are. We hope for things. So if we hope, then what that means then is is we are people who have an expectation, right? So we have an expectation for something. 
Uh, hope is about that. It's about expectation, but it's also about desire. What are things that we really desire to have? Hope is about anticipation. And all of these words come up over and over again as we think about uh, Christmas and leading up to Christmas and the anticipation and expectation of all that. And you look at that, expectation, desire, anticipation, all of them, what do they all involve? They all involve something in the future, something we don't have right now. It's all about something in the future. And when we hope for those things, when we, we, we hope for the future, we're going, I hope that in the future this, I hope that this happens, that this occurs, that, that, that this works out, whatever it is, but we are hoping for something in the future. And since we are people who live in the present, like none of us are living in the future right now, okay? We're, we're right now, but we have hope for something in the future. What that means then, and this is the, the giant theme of all of it, is that hope is all about waiting. Hope is all about waiting. And I don't know, some of you are good at waiting. I am horrible at waiting. But hope is all about waiting. It's, it's what it's all about. The prophet Isaiah said this, and, and it was during a time where the people of God um, were rebellious. It happens a lot. Um, they were re in rebellion and um, really just dark times. And Isaiah said this in chapter 8, verse 17. He declared, he said, I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I mean, that's how bad things were. God had turned away from them. He says, I will wait for the Lord. And then he says, I will put my hope in him. That's some serious hope. When God has turned his back on his people because of their rebellion, because of their wickedness, because of just how they had been living, and yet he still chooses to hope in him, that's hope. And that's the, that's, that's the only hope that Isaiah had in that time was, was for the future hope of, of God himself. The, the idea of hope, and one of the reasons I'm excited about tomorrow night and our evening in the Psalms is that, is that hope comes up so much in, in the book, in, in the Psalms. The word of hope, it, appear, it appears over 40 times throughout all the Psalms, hope, hope. Hope. And often what you find if you read the entire psalm is one half of it is about hope and the other half of it is about like, um, you know, wh why is this happening to me? Hope. <laughs> why is this occurring? Hope, you know. And I think we can get that. I think a lot of us understand that. that that's, that's kind of the reality of, of how many of us are living. It's like I, I'm hoping, but my goodness, there's, there's all these circumstances here, God, but I'm hoping and see, that's the difference, and that's one of the things I want to um, make a point of today as we look at these scriptures. Here's what, let me read Psalm 130 real quick and then point that out. Um, we're waiting, we're waiting, and we're waiting for God. And one of the psalmists writes in, in Psalm 130, verse 5, I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. Hope, hope. And, and this is where I said I wanted to make clear, hope and optimism for a follower of Christ, if, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian, this is what you, who you say you are, hope and optimism are not the same. It is not the same thing. It's not the same definition. We, we need to make sure we separate those two. Hope and optimism are not the same. Because what we find with, with hope in the scriptures, it's all based on the person of Jesus. 
Hope is based on Jesus. It's not based on us. It's not based on another person. It's not based on what another person may or may not do. It's hope is about Jesus. And this makes it so much different than optimism. Because what optimism is, and, and it's not like optimism is bad, but, but what it is, is optimism is, is choosing to see how circumstances may or may not work out. That's what optimism is. Optimism is going, well, hey, if all these pieces fall into place, maybe this will occur. Maybe this will happen. But hope, what we find hope in Scripture, it's not... Hope in Scripture has nothing to do with circumstances. There, there's nowhere in Scripture where you're going to find the word hope used, whether in the Hebrew or the Greek. You're never going to find the word hope used and it be about circumstances. It's all based on the nature of who God is. Or in the, in the New Testament especially, it's on the person of Jesus. So hope's not about circumstances. Hope is about a person. It's about a person. Hosea, the prophet, when Israel was being oppressed by, by uh, these other empires, all these other nations and countries, he said this in chapter 2, verse 15, the, the second part of the, the verse, this is what he, he chooses hope, and this is what he says, what he believes about who, who God is and what God will do. He says God could transform the valley of trouble that he was in. The valley of trouble that the people of God were in and that it could be transformed into a gateway of hope. A gateway of hope. You know, as we just went through the series in Exodus, what we saw over and over and over again is how God was pursuing his people. He was making a way for his people. He was, he was making salvation possible for people. He did not want them to be lost. He did not want them to be disconnected from them. He pursued them. And he was all about this redemption. And that's important because, because see, hope for us, those who follow Jesus, it's, it's based on God's past faithfulness. It's, it's not a guessing game. Like we're not going, you know, well, God's been faithful all these, you know, for millennia, but today I'm not really sure if he's going to come through. That's not hope. That's a lack of faith is what that is. But hope is God's past faithfulness gives me a reason for hope in the future. And he has just been faithful, faithful, and faithful He's never failed, never failed. So what we do then is we trust in who God is. We trust in his character instead of circumstances. So if hope is something that, that like you're hearing this word and you're kind of going, I wish you would quit saying it because I don't have any of it right now or I'm really angry at God about it right now or whatever that might be, I want you to know that hope is in the person of Jesus. It's not in the circumstances that may make you feel hopeless today. You can walk out of here with hope today, even if the circumstances seem hopeless. In Psalm 39, verse 7, the psalmist writes this and says, So, Lord, where do I put my hope? Where do I put it? He says, My only hope is in you. He declares that. My only hope is in you. Think about that for a minute. How many of us can declare that and actually mean it? My only hope is in you. 
bold. Hope in the Hebrew, which is the language used in the Old Testament, there were two main Hebrew words that were used um, that would be translated into our English of hope. And there are these words, yakel and kavah. Yakel and kavah. And yakel appears about 48 to 50 times in the Old Testament. And what it means, it, it's what we've been talking about, it means to wait or to be patient. And, and it appears as, as hope. And like I said, our translation, we find that in many of the Psalms. Now, the second word, kavah, is very interesting to me. Kavah means, again, to wait or to expect or to look eagerly. But, but the word, the, the root word, comes from this word. It, it, the first part is kav. And kav is a word in the Hebrew for a cord, you know, a rope. That's what kav is. And so it's, it's like we have, uh, you know, words that, like we talk about tension, Okay, some of us think tension is a bad thing, but tension just means that that something has been pulled and 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 taken to its uh, extreme. It's been pulled and it, it's it's at its maximum, and that's what kava means. It means there's this tension in there. There's this expectancy. There's this waiting in kav of the cord, which is where we get the word, and it's talking about this cord being pulled tight and something is about to occur, and that's where the root word comes from. So it's not just about this, you know, um, what we see, it's, it's not just a basic desire for, uh, you know, maybe something's going to happen, but it's, it's a confident expectation because kav, the cord, has been pulled. Now, hope in the Greek, which is the language of the New Testament, uh, is this word elpis, elpis, and it's used over 50 times in the New Testament, and it's and again, it's about expectation. It's about anticipation. But I love this. It's talking about what is guaranteed to occur. Guaranteed to occur. So, for instance, uh, and I don't have this on the screen, but in Matthew 12, 21, uh, when it talks about who Jesus is, and it says, in his name, the Gentiles, that means not the chosen people, not the Israelites, that means us, most of us in here, right? Right? It says that in his name, the Gentiles will hope. And so the hope in, in the New Testament, especially with this word El Peace, it's in the name of Jesus. It's in the person. It's not in the circumstance. So you see this Hebrew understanding of kav and a cord and it being pulled. And then in the, in the New Testament, in the Greek, you see it's actually in a person, El Peace. And the, the, early, um, the early disciples, they, they understood this. They, they had Jesus as an actual hope. So, so then hope would not be what a lot of us think it is, which is kind of like, I'm going to cross my fingers, you know, I'm going to throw salt over my shoulder, I'm going to have the rabbit's foot, I'm going to knock on wood, whatever the things are. That's, that's not hope. That is so far from hope. It's, it's certainty that regardless of circumstances, God is still going to be God. El peace. That's the Greek. Because it's in the person of Jesus. So when you think about how the, the, that kind of a hope, what it means then is that, that Jesus' life and yes, even his death, because that led to his resurrection, 
are all about how God made this possible for us to be in relationship with him. So we have hope. See, that's the thing. Like, our perspective is kind of warped, right? Because who would go, oh, yeah, the death of Jesus was fantastic. I mean, you don't, no one's ever excited about uh, someone who is amazing as Jesus or a really good person dying and going, that's great. But see, for our sake, for our salvation, Jesus had to die. Of course, we're in the season of Advent. So we're talking about the fact that he had to live to begin with. He had to come in the form of a man. Alive already, but he came in the form of a man to fulfill scripture, to, to bridge the gap. We talk about that a lot. So the early disciples, and, and you and I, we can hope that in Jesus' life, yes, but also in his death, yes, and also most definitely in his resurrection, we have hope because that is God's response to our sin, our separation from him. We have hope in that. Think about this, the empty tomb, it opened up, not just the tomb didn't just open up, the empty tomb opened up a door of hope, because now we have the opportunity to live in relationship with God. So, as I said, hope in God is so bold. It really is. When we say, like the psalmist, I am hoping, my hope is only found in you. And some people might look at our hope and think it's a little bit weird or crazy. And, and it, I'm sure it probably looks that way. Like, that there have probably been times in your life when the circumstances were absolutely hopeless, yet you still chose to have hope because you have a Savior, you have a God who desires to be in relationship with you, who has always been faithful, he has never ever failed, he has fulfilled every single promise, and you get to be in relationship with him, so you are still living in hope, even though circumstances are hopeless. And I'm sure that leaves a lot of people scratching their head. Hope in a God who can do more than we could ever imagine is exactly the kind of life that, that we're called to live in. Opt, uh, hope is an, is an optimism based on the odds. What do the figures say? What are the prognosticators out there saying? What is all That's not hope. Hope, it's, it's a choice. It's a choice to, to wait for God. It's, it's a choice to, to wait for God to bring about a, a future that is as absolutely as, as surprising as a tortured and crucified man rising from the dead. And so, for any who might feel hopeless today, I, I would offer for you to look at all that God has done. Look at all that God has done. Yes, in your life. I mean, yes, look at the things he's done in, in your life that are good and you have hope in those, but but I would even, let's take that further. Let's expand that. And let's say, let's look at all that God has done in the history of humanity. All that he has done. He has been faithful in spite of our unfaithfulness to him. So hope, hope for us is, is knowing that we have a shepherd one who cares for us, who looks out for us, who is watching over us, who is, is protecting us, who knows us. Hope is, is, is like that. 
What hope does, and this is the this is the tension, this is the cob, the cord that's pulled tight in this moment in Advent, because it's not just about the birth of Jesus, but it's about the second coming of Christ. So what hope does is it looks back at the birth of Jesus, it looks at the death of Jesus, hope looks at the risen Jesus in order for us to look forward to what is to come. That's where our hope is. When the psalmist says, my hope is found only in you, that's what he's talking about. My hope is found in the fact that that you are my God. I have been connected to you through Jesus Christ. You no longer see my sin. I have been forgiven of that. I get to live a new life, a redeemed life. I am a new creation. I get to live into this. And one day, even though the circumstances here might be horrible, one day I will be present with you. That's the hope. And that goes way above how you and I might try to define hope on our small scale. What we hope for is what God has already done. And we wait. We wait. That's what hope is all about. Watch this video. People of God, this loaf represents the body of Jesus Christ, which has been broken for you and for me. In this, we have hope. And this cup represents his blood, which has been poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins. In this, we have hope. As I serve those who are going to serve you in just a moment, I encourage you to take a few moments in quiet prayer and reflection to prepare yourself to come and receive.
As I said, the, the table is open uh, to all who desire to be in relationship with God. We come to receive. We don't come to take. So your hands are open and you allow the person to serve you the bread. As they say, the body of Christ broken for you. And then you take that bread and dip it into the cup as you hear the words, the blood of Christ poured out for you. In just a moment, the ushers will uh, come and let you know uh, when you may come and which station to go to. And they also have baskets with them if you have an offering you would like to make. Or if you're like me, it's like you remember the basket. Yes, I've, I've given. Did, did that online. So God, thank you that I get to be a part of your work in the world. Father, thank you for hope. And it's in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us for our hope being in circumstances or people. Lord, would today be the day that we firmly place our hope in you. Thank you for what you have done through Jesus Christ. Lord, may this participation, our participation in this sacrament of communion be a response, be a reply back to you that we indeed put our hope in and it's in the name of Jesus we pray.